Hey everyone, I'm Pastor Josh here. Thanks for inviting us into your home, inviting us onto your device. Uh, we look forward to seeing you sometime in the future in person. Well, here we are, the end of our uncertainty series. And as a society and as a state, we're beginning to kind of venture out, uh, enter into the new normal. You know, I spoke with a friend yesterday who actually ate at a real restaurant with real people around him. It's like some type of, some type of dream from a previous era. Well, you know, we're entering into this new normal and we're beginning to kind of settle into the patterns that we've established in our lives. And I think for some people, the pandemic has strangely been really good for them. I think maybe it's cleared away some of the clutter. It's allowed them to develop a new rhythm in their life. And for others, it's been super, super hard because they've been isolated. We've all been isolated. Maybe they've lost jobs. And it's interesting. Um, no one is unaffected by this pandemic. You see, this we're all experiencing the same thing where we, our lives will never be the same and we're sliding into a new normal, a new horizon of possibilities for our lives, our families, our community. And it begs this question, who will you be in the new normal? Who will I be? What kind of family will you be in the new normal? What kind of society do we want to be? What kind of country do we want to be as we settle into this new normal? You know, we're, today we're in what uh, Thomas Schelling, a sociologist, Nobel Prize winner, calls a tipping point. We're at this place where the future can look radically different. For an individual, a society, a family, whatever the case is. We're all in that together. So this is an extraordinarily important time for you, for me, for our world, in order for us to change, in order for us to be who we want to be. And you think about the history of your life. You think about major milestones, high school graduation, maybe when you got married or your first child, you had a moment where you could be a different person. Where, well, this is the moment for all of us. We're all in the tipping point. So my encouragement to you, my, uh, my imploring to you is don't waste this moment. Don't waste the pandemic. See, I think God's shown all of us things about our lives. It's kind of like that uh, back, if you, if you live in a house, we do. We have a back room in the basement where our hot water tank is. And we have a little light bulb on a, a little string. When you pull that, light floods that corner and you see all the dirt and the little squigglies that crawl back into the foundation. I don't know about you, but for me, it feels like the pandemic has done that. It has shined light on the brokenness and weaknesses of my heart. And I don't know about you, but I am determined to be more of who God designed us to be after this pandemic is over or in the midst of the new normal. Well, fortunately, God has given us in his word kind of like a, a cautionary tale from the book of Malachi of the Israelites who were settling into a new normal after a traumatic event. 
Well, the Israelites actually stepped into some major pitfalls of the new normal. And God has outlined those pitfalls for us in the book of Malachi. So this morning, what I want to do is outline uh, and talk about these three pitfalls we see in settling into a new normal so that you and I can avoid those and become who God wants us to be in the new normal. Well, hey, before we jump into uh, the book of Malachi, I want to pray for our time and then we'll uh, jump into God's words. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are kind and good. Lord, we affirm, we um, uh, relish in your sovereignty. We trust in your plans and purpose. Lord, as we are shifting into this new normal, would you work in our hearts and our minds and our spirits so that we can become who you designed us to be? Lord, we want to be better people. We want to be more loving people, more God-honoring people in this new normal. We want to be more like Jesus, and we want that to be our new normal. So would you help us to do that? And give us insight as we look at uh, your word and how you've given us some um, precautions to look out for in this new normal. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and open that up now. We're going to be in the book of Malachi. It's the last book in the Old Testament right before the book of Matthew. And we're going to be kind of jumping through that. that, uh, It's a short book of four chapters. So if you have your uh, Bibles open, that could really help. So Malachi is the story of God exhorting his people Israel in ways that they have failed or they have fallen into pitfalls in a new normal of the history of their nation. You see, they had been captured and brought away. And then just recently, they had been allowed to enter back into their land. See, at this point, all their houses were destroyed. The temple was destroyed. So they rallied together and they rebuilt the temple, rebuilt their uh, houses and community, kind of crested that hill, succeeded. But now they're settling into a new normal. And we see three pitfalls that the nation of Israel falls into in this new normal. And these three pitfalls are this. First, it's laziness. Second, unfaithfulness. And third is selfishness. And, you know, just like the nation of Israel, we can see ourselves in this story and we want to avoid these pitfalls. So let's look at the book of Malachi and uh, see what God has for us today. So Malachi chapter one, starting in verse six, a son honors his father and a servant, his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? 
See, Israel is sliding into the new normal of laziness, specifically spiritual laziness. You see, God is talking here to the priests. The priests were a group of people in Israel who oversaw the temple and the sacrifices that the nation of Israel would offer. You see, a a family would bring a a goat if they were wealthy or pigeons if they were poor and we'd give them to the priest. The priest would inspect the offering and then sacrifice that animal uh, to show that the sin that that family has committed is deserving of death. But God is a kind and gracious God. And by giving this sacrifice, God chooses to look over our sin and forgive our sin. That's why in the Old Testament, Jesus is called the Lamb of God, where he was the final sacrifice for our sin. So what was going on is that people were beginning to offer not their best, but good enough in worship. You see, the way we show God, or excuse me, the way that the Israelites show God that, that um, their hearts were in it before God and that they were giving a sacrifice, not just with, of their hands, but at their heart, is that they would give the best of the best. Like if they were a, a, sh- a shepherd, they would give the best lamb. And maybe they, um, if they uh, didn't work in agriculture, they would come and buy the best animal to offer sacrifice. Well, that was not what was happening in Israel. I mean, picture picture this. So Tom, he needs to go uh, to the temple to offer a sacrifice. So he goes, you know, he's, he's kind of broke. So he goes to the pigeon vendor. And instead of finding the best, most beautiful, most uh, uh, strongest pigeon, you know, he slides down the table to the re- you know, reduced for quick sale pigeon cage. Right? These are the pigeons that are missing wings, you know, one-eyed pigeons. Right? right? These are those, uh, those like hot dog eating pigeons that you've seen in the flats. Just kind of mangy and gross. And what Tom goes is, ah, I'll take one of those. And he takes this scraggly pigeon to the the temple and then the priest takes it instead of going no 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 no. this isn't a gift of the heart this is just religious duty the priest goes "Eh, good enough and he sacrifices it you see what's going on there is that the nation of israel were still doing their religious duties but they weren't doing them from their heart like i feel like we could i know i feel that way you know, we on Sunday mornings from when I was a little bitty baby until uh, uh, until March 15th, I came to church every Sunday and I love coming to church. You see your your spiritual family, you see your friends, you get to worship together, hear the teaching of the word. And it was a, it was a life giving rhythm of worship. Well, we're not we haven't been meeting for some 14 weeks. And I don't know about you. It's sometimes hard to focus on a screen like I get it. You're. You may be on Instagram right now, right? As you listen to my message, it, it's hard to give all of our heart when we can't gather together. That's why it's so important in this season of your life and in your family's life to develop patterns that force you to worship with your whole being, to give God the best of your day, give God the best of your energy, give God the best of your heart, because we're entering into a new normal. And I do not want you to fall into the pitfall of spiritual laziness. See, that's what Israel fell into. And and the result was they were not becoming 
the people that God designed them to be. We're at the tipping point. We're at a place in all of our lives where we can become an an individual, a family, a community far greater than what we've imagined. But we cannot become spiritually lazy. All right, well, let's look at the second pitfall. The second pitfall is unfaithfulness. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? So people are offering the sacrifices, they're doing religious duties, but they just knew, they didn't feel an experience of God, and they knew God wasn't there with him. Why? Keep reading. Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and the wife by covenant. You see, the second pitfall is unfaithfulness. And we see the men in Israel were becoming unfaithful to their wives as well as their families. Now, in our context, we can think of spouses with one another, you know, but in this context, it was primarily men. So what was going on is is unfaithfulness in two arenas. Look with me back at verse 14. God refers to the spouse as both the wife of your youth and a companion in your wife by covenant. You see, what, 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 the, what God is communicating is this. In a marriage, there are kind of two spheres of, of, of relationship. There's the, the face-to-face, and then there's the shoulder-to-shoulder. The face-to-face is the wife of your youth, right? That's the, and the elsewhere in the Old Testament, like in the Song of Solomon, this is the romance, the intimacy, the spice of life. This is the weekends away. That's the, what happens in the bedroom. But there's another aspect of marriage. It's the shoulder to shoulder. That's the day to day. That's the keeping up with the kids. That's the getting the food on the table, the lawn mowed, and the finances paid, the bills, all those kind of things. And what God is saying is that the nation of Israel was being unfaithful both in the face to face and the shoulder to shoulder. Or another way of saying it, they were being unfaithful both in the bedroom and in the living room. I think this is a major struggle with a lot of families, especially uh, families that have kids in the home. So Deborah and I, we have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. Having a lot of like uh, long walks, you know, in the neighborhood where we just to share our lives, it is, is very challenging, right? Grandmas aren't around, babysitters aren't around. So depending on where you're at in your marriage, It could be the face-to-face issues or the shoulder-to-shoulder issues where you find yourself unfaithful. You know, I recently saw an article from The Economist saying that the porn industry is booming in COVID. Maybe, Maybe you're being sexually unfaithful. Maybe not physically, but mentally. Or maybe you just want to be left alone. Maybe the kids are getting under your skin. Maybe your wife's getting under your skin and you just want some space, but you're being unfaithful to the responsibilities that God has called you to be as a husband and as a wife, as a mother and as a father. You see, the nation of Israel fell into this pitfall and we 
must not. You see, whatever patterns that you're establishing now in your marriage and in your home life, most likely those will continue into the future. We're at the tipping point. Whatever we do now in the next season of your life will probably dictate what the next five to 15 years look like. So my encouragement, my, my exhortation for you is don't fall into the pitfall of unfaithfulness, especially unfaithfulness in the home. We need marriages and families to be better, to be stronger, to be more loving, more kind, more gracious, more generous with one another and with the community. And this is the time to establish those patterns in your life. Don't fall into the pit of unfaithfulness, especially unfaithfulness in your marriage. All right. Well, let's look at the third pitfall we see is selfishness. Look with me, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statutes and not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. See, if you remember um, that the nation, I mentioned earlier, the nation of Israel had just returned from captivity. The, the houses, the temple were all destroyed. Well, they stepped up to the task, contributed their efforts, their energies, materials, and resources to rebuild the temple and their home. So they kind of conquered that task. They were generous to rebuild God's temple and temple and to care for their neighbor as themselves. But they're, trying, they're beginning to slide back into selfish, selfishness in this new normal. And God has some pretty challenging words for them. He says that since they aren't giving their, tithe, their tithes and contributions, it's like they're robbing God. Like, man, that is some harsh words. You know, when uh, this pandemic hit and we weren't able to gather as a church, us at uh, the leadership of CVC, we kind of were concerned. You know, we, I mean, the giving, how's that going to work out? Are people going to step up if they're not um, gathering together? So we, we kind of cut, you know, made some staff cuts. We uh, cut some uh, budget up to try, just to try to keep our expenses down because we didn't know what was going to happen. You know what happened? You guys stepped up. You guys were generous far beyond what we thought. Man, you guys kept giving. You shifted your giving online. You were generous. We've heard stories of people who even began to give for the first time in this pandemic. You see, Israel, after their season of uncertainty, slid into selfishness. But I tell you what, 
I am so encouraged, and us as the leadership and the staff and the elders are so encouraged at your level of generosity. You have shown that you're a generous church, that you see yourself as an investor in what God is doing. And to that, I just want to say, on behalf of the church staff, from the ministry partners we support, the missionaries that we support, thank you for your generosity. But a caution. Don't slide into selfishness. Don't raise up to this level of generosity and let yourself slide into the new normal. Maybe you're experiencing that you're becoming a generous person. Lean into that. Lean into the work that God's doing in your heart to not just do generous things, but to become a generous person. You know, every time you go on cvconline.org and you give online or you give through your uh, mobile app or you write a check and mail it in, know that you are partnering with what God is doing and that God promises you a blessing. Now, that blessing might not be financial, but know that when you are generous with God, God is generous with you. But be careful not to slide into that pitfall of selfishness. All right. So in a moment, I'm going to give you a couple minutes to talk amongst the group you're watching with. Maybe you're watching with your life group or maybe you're watching with some friends or maybe you can even text someone. And I want you to talk about which pitfall have you fallen into or which pitfall might you fall into? Of the three pitfalls of laziness, specifically spiritual laziness, of unfaithfulness, specifically marital unfaithfulness, and of selfishness, specifically financial selfishness, which pitfall have you fallen into or might you fall into in the future? So talk about that. Share that uh, amongst the folks you're talking to.
All right. Well, what we see in Malachi is that God warns Israel, and some of the people listen. And the faithful ones actually come together, and they write what the Bible calls a book of remembrance. Look with me, Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be called mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So people who were faithful to God wrote a book about the actions of those who were faithful. So they did this and they wrote this book in order to remember what God did in their lives and to remember the exhortations of God, what God wants to do in their lives. You see, we're at that place. We're, we're at a place where we probably won't be as a society for uh, until the next major event, right? You see uh, these tipping points. You see it in World War II. We see it in uh, you know, the late 60s and 9-11. And I think this is probably that once every other decade moment. And my challenge for you is that you need to write a book of remembrance. You need to get away and physically write down what God has, is, and could do in your life. You see, that's what the nation of Israel did. They didn't want to miss. They didn't want to forget what God did in this really important season of their lives. And we can't either. We must uh, uh, capture for ourselves and for the future what God has done. We need to write a book of remembrance. So I did that, did that this week. So here's uh, my moleskin here. Here's the book of remembrance that I wrote out. And it, even in the process of writing this, God worked in my life and worked in my heart to challenge me to become who God's designed me to be. All right, so how do we write a book of remembrance? Well, what am I challenging you to do? I'm challenging you to do this. Get away for 30 minutes or longer if you can and fill out these, these four prayer prompts. The prayer prompts are this. Forgive me, dot, dot, dot. Help me, thank you, and would you. So forgive me. God, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me where I've sinned. Look, we've all fallen into old sin patterns during this season. And we need to go to God and say, God, forgive me for this, this sin that I fell back into. Forgive me for the way I've acted. The second is help me. Help me to overcome. Help me to bring people into my life. Help me to do whatever I need to do so that this season will be a turning point in my life so that I can leave those harmful patterns behind. This third thing is thank you. God, thank you for your provision. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your love and your grace in the midst of this season. And the fourth is would you. God, would you 
caused me to become this type of person? Would you work in this relationship and in this area? Would you empower me to be and do in ways that I could never think possible? All for your glory. Write that out in a, as a prayer response to God. Forgive me, help me, thank you, and would you. And chronicle that and then revisit it in a month, three months, six months, and a year and see how God can work in your life. Well, we see, you know, the book of Malachi is the very last book in the Old Testament. And it had the very last verses give us a picture into really the steps to become who God wants us to be. Look with me in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. See, this term, the day of the Lord, it's a really important term in the Old Testament. It's the day that God comes and brings his justice to the world. He punishes wickedness and he rewards goodness. And what God is saying at the very end of the Old Testament is, look, I'm, I'm coming to judge those who have both been good and those who have been evil. The problem is we've all been evil. We all deserve God's judgment. And that's why the gospel is that God in his kindness sent his son Jesus Christ to take the judgment that we deserve. You see, the result of God's judgment is the heart of the fathers are turned to their children. The heart of children are turned to their fathers. Well, that's only possible because God the Father turned his heart away from God the Son when he poured out all the punishment and all the wickedness that you and I have done in the midst of the pandemic, all the sins that we've committed, he put it all on Jesus' shoulders. He turned his heart away so that we could call God our Father. And through faith and trust in Jesus, we now can be restored and we can be agents of restoration. See, that's the good news of the gospel, that Jesus took our sins so that the heart of the Father could be turned to us and our hearts could be turned back to God the Father. You know, maybe this pandemic has been an extraordinarily difficult time and maybe it's shown in your life areas of your heart that you want changed. And maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. Well, the only way to be whole is through Christ. You know, if you uh, want to talk to someone about putting your faith and trust in Jesus, about becoming a Christian, about God becoming your father. Text Jesus to the number on the lower third of your screen. We would love to begin a conversation to introduce you to Jesus. Well, CVC, thank you again so much for letting us into your home. Remember to write that, spend some time to write that book of remembrance. We'll have some encouragements and some reminders through social media this week about that. And uh, before we go back into some worship, let me pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you that 
you took our punishment. Thank you that you are the perfect lamb that was sacrificed so that we could have a relationship with God. Lord, may we as individuals, as a family, as a church, and as a community be better, be more whole, be stronger, be more loving in this new normal. May the new normal be love. And we know that's only possible through your presence. So we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.